out there, how's it going? Welcome to Screenspeak. It's the podcast that's all about movies, life, and so much more. My name's Jordan Anderson, this is my podcast, and I want to sincerely thank you today for coming by and giving today's episode a listen. If you haven't done one of these things already, please go ahead and do so. Hit the follow button so that you go ahead and support the growth of the podcast and continue to check out new episodes. Hit the bell on whatever it is that you're listening to this on, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. You're familiar with most of the podcast services. Otherwise, why else would you be here? Go ahead and hit that bell so that you get notified on any new episodes when they drop. If you like social media, go ahead and check that out as well on Facebook and Instagram. Screenspeak is located on both of those, so you should have no problem getting connected with the community on there or getting connected with myself. And speaking of getting connected with myself, you're welcome to ask me anything that you would like on either of those platforms, or you can always check out the email for the podcast, which is screenspeakpodcast at gmail.com. All this information is in the description of today's episode and all episodes, so please go ahead and look at those and help support the movement, if you will, that is ScreenSpeak. Perhaps movement is not the right word to describe this podcast, but I will say the community is an ever-growing one full of people that have a love and passion for the arts, cinema, and movies as a whole. So if you are passionate about any of those things I just mentioned, you have come to the right place, and I thank you very much for doing that. So welcome, welcome to ScreenSpeak. Stick around. You're going to enjoy yourself, especially with today's episode being that it is centered all around the 95th annual Academy Awards from the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. So it's an Oscar special. Woo! 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 Okay. <clears throat> Sorry, I almost sounded like a cop car there. Woo! 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 Pull, pull the enthusiasm over. That's, a, <laughs> that's exactly what I'm going to do right now because my energy right now is actually quite... It's quite calm. Uh, I'll be honest, right before recording this episode, I kept trying to just get the introduction for this thing just completely right. I, I think I did it like, I, I don't even know how many times, maybe like 20, 30 times, something like that. It was kind of obnoxious. And then I just had to pause and stop myself and just be like, why, why am I so in my head on this thing right now? Why must the start of this thing be perfect? I have the power of edit after all, and no one's got a gun to my head to make sure this thing goes off without a hitch. Uh, so it seems like I'm just doing it to myself. And so what I did was, was I caught myself doing this and I was like, I, I need to stop doing this right now. And honestly, I set aside 20 minutes. It's what I literally did right before I hit record on this one. And I gave myself a 20 minute guided meditation on overthinking and anxiety. Uh, I got no shame in admitting that to you all on here. Sometimes I get in my head. I think we all are guilty of doing that sometimes. We all do it to ourselves to a certain extent, uh, sometimes more so than others. And I just was in one of those moods this morning where I'm like, man, I, I got to slow things down and, and just you know have a healthy perspective on this present time right now. And I'll tell you what, I recommend doing the meditation thing a lot more. And, I, and I'm talking to you, Jordan, too. <laughs> this isn't just for the listener out there. This is also just for myself to tell myself that I got to keep doing this. Meditation is absolutely helpful to you. Um, I feel so good right now in this present moment. So I want to I wanna keep that positive energy, uh, keep that positive calm, and, and just have it be projected through this episode. In fact, wouldn't that, wouldn't, how about this? Just, this just came to me. Let's, let's do a little experiment, right? Before the podcast starts. How about it? A meditation 
right now in the podcast, a meditation on movies. Here we go. Insert whale music and harps, that sort of thing right now. Let's do this. Um, welcome to ScreenSpeak, a podcast that is all about movies, life, and in this particular 30-second joke intersection, meditation. Take a deep breath in, take a deep breath out, feel the calming energy and know that you need to get out of your head sometimes because your head is a moron that overthinks things <laughs> okay okay look i know i was just being extra sincere and i just did a jokey section right now in meditation but for real th- th- this is super helpful i'm so glad i did it um happy to have you all here so hopefully you didn't mind me going through that little thing there i it had to be done i had to get it out of my system It's out of my system now, and now what I am ready to talk about with everybody here is the Academy Awards, the Oscars. Dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. Don't know why I did that. I think that was something from the NFL, something I also don't really watch. But I will tell you, speaking of the NFL and the Oscars, there is a correlation there because I have always viewed the Oscars as the movie community, the film community, it's our Super Bowl. Like, it is our night, right? This is the night where the best of the best, uh, the cream of the crop comes to the top. It rises to the top, I should say, and it walks away with a gold statue that we all call an Oscar. So it really is a big deal. Uh, This is the 95th year for the Academy, and so I'm very excited to watch it. At the time of recording this, it is March 12th, 2023, which is the Oscars. Um, I tried to actually get the special recorded a couple of days prior, but I just kept getting busy. I admit I was kind of in my head about this episode for some reason, uh, as I mentioned in the introduction for this. Don't know why, but we're here where we're at now, and I'm just going to keep going with things because that's how life is sometimes, especially right now. So what I'm going to talk about in this episode is a few things. I'm going to give you all an overview of what the Oscars are, what the Academy is, uh, some of the rules. Uh, I had no idea how many rules there were for this thing. I'm not kidding. So actually, check this out or hear this, okay? Listen to this. You hear all that? Let me, let me try it again. That is the noise of paper. Several pages that I printed off because I didn't really feel like reading it on a screen. But what I'm holding in front of me right now is the 95th Academy Awards of Merit. Uh, in other words, all the rules of consideration that go into something being eligible to win a gold statue. So... I took it upon myself to read all this because, A, I'm a, I'm a curious person uh, by nature. I'm fascinated with learning new things, especially about the entertainment industry. And I always wondered, I'm like, what does it actually take to get something to be nominated? And are there any, you know, very specific rules that have to be followed? Are there any weird rules that are in there? Because anything I can tell you, most anything that is rule-based and has multiple pages upon pages of language that's all around rules... You're almost always bound to find something that is goofy or seems questionable or at the very least just is is curious. It, it brings curiosity to you. And so that's why I wanted to go through these rules with you uh, because as I read through them all, I highlighted several things that I found very interesting and I don't really think the average person necessarily knows about all this stuff. So I thought, if you don't mind, I would go ahead and just do a little bit of reading of these rules and talk about what stands out. But then, 
Beyond the paperwork side of things, I thought I'd actually talk about the award ceremony. How about that? Talk about some of those iconic moments that have stood out over the years. Talk about some of my favorite moments, least favorite moments. And then, of course, I want to talk about the movies that are nominated this year. Uh, I did my best to watch as many of them as I could. I think in total, everyone, there's like 20-some films, uh, you know, including the shorts and whatnot that are being recognized. But look, I mean, I don't have time to watch all that, and I would be surprised if you did either. I think the only people that are actually watching all of them are people that likely serve on the Academy or work for the, the Motion Picture Association. So I don't know. I mean, there, it's a lot of things to cover. But I will tell you, I will tell you, I exercised due diligence on this, and I really, I think, did the best I've done in terms of prepping for this. I watched nine of the 10 Best Picture uh, nominees this year, which I don't think I've ever done that before. I've usually seen a handful of them or some of the more popular ones or maybe one or two, but this year I watched nine of the 10. Uh, The only one that I did not watch, not for any personal reason, it just purely ran down to a time thing where I'm like, I just, I, I ran out of time, is the movie Women Talking. Uh, I have nothing against women or women that talk or women that star in Women Talking. <laughs> uh, I just really ran out of time to watch that one, but I did watch everything else. So I thought it would be fun to give you all, uh, I-, I guess you could call them reviews, but just sort of my general thoughts on the movies that are nominated for Best Picture. And then I'm going to get into the, my predictions that I made for this year's Oscars. I'll be honest, and this sounds like I'm patting myself on the back a bit, and maybe I am. I feel like I actually have a pretty good thumb uh, when it comes to the pulse of these award shows. Like I, I, I feel like I follow the entertainment industry closely enough that between all the awards buildup, uh, all the marketing and press that goes into things, I, I feel like I have a pretty good sense of being able to figure out what has a higher chance of winning the statue or not. And so I thought it'd be fun that I would just share my picks with you all before the Oscars are actually airing tonight. Uh, and just see how close I am, or even if I'm not, this is what I would pick for these. Um, only ones that are kind of a cop-out as far as like the picks not really having much of any validity to it past a guess is ones for like the documentary short subject or uh, international feature film or like animated short film. Like some of those, I'll be honest, like I'm, I'm totally guessing for those. I have no frame of reference. I have nothing. I have nothing on Um but, you know, we, we, we do what we can. I do what I can. And so I do it for you, ScreenSpeak. I do it for you. And then after I get done with all that, we'll just see where things stand. And hopefully by that point, get into watching the Oscars. Because I think this should go up at least a, at least a few hours before the, the actual red carpet and all the festivities air and whatnot. So we'll just see where it goes from there. And hopefully you enjoy yourselves while you're here. So strap in. Get some popcorn, get a get a drink or something, uh, whether that's H2O or something that is more of the adult nature beverage. Uh, I, I don't really care. Just grab yourself something, get comfortable. Let's go ahead and get into this. So first things first, uh, what is the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences? So I got our friends at Wikipedia pulled up here, and hopefully that can answer the question. So this is what it says on Wikipedia. The Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, uh, simply known as the Academy or the Motion Picture Academy, is a professional honorary organization with the stated goal of advancing the arts and sciences of motion pictures, uh, better yet known as movies. 
The Academy's corporate management and general policies are overseen by a board of governors, which includes representatives from each of the craft branches. And by craft branches, that just basically means all the different aspects of entertainment, being makeup, costume design, writing, cinematography, you name it. They all have different branches that are within the Academy. So that, in a nutshell, is what the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences is. Now, that said... What what has to be met in order for a film to be considered for merit or be not 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 merit? Uh, but what does a movie have to do to be considered for this award? Right. So this is where the rules portion of this comes in. And I promise you, I'm not going to read you this entire document. That that would be crazy. It would bore you to death. Uh, this this isn't an audio book. This is a podcast. So I'm not going to do that. But let me go through what I thought stood out on here, and and we'll just go from there. So there are 25, yeah, I'm looking at this, 25 specific rules for uh, being considered for merit in the Academy Awards, at least for the 95th Academy Awards. Uh, Rule one just says awards definition. So it just says, Academy Awards of Merit shall be given annually to honor outstanding artistic and scientific achievements in theatrically released feature-length motion pictures and to honor other achievements as provided for in these rules and approved by the Board of Governors. Um, So that's essentially what rule one is for this. Now, for those of us that may not be familiar with all the different categories that are at the Oscars, I'll go ahead and just uh, get through these as quick as possible. So we have acting, which breaks out into four subcategories, actor in a leading role, actor in a supporting role, actress in a leading role, and actress in a supporting role. So uh, boys and girls right there. Animated feature film, cinematography, costume design, directing, documentary. We got two subcategories there. Documentary feature film, documentary short film, film editing, international feature film, makeup and hairstyling, music, Breaks down in the three subcultures being original score, original song, original musical. Uh, the original musical one, I don't actually think they give that one out every year, but it is listed here. Of course, you have Best Picture, uh, which is the one I'd say that is the most popular category of them all. Uh, production design, short film, again, two subcategories being Best Animated Short Film and Best Live Action Short Film. Turning the page, turning the page. See, look at that. That's paper right there. Paper. Uh, achievement in sound, visual effects, and then two categories for writing being adapted screenplay and original screenplay. So that's all those. Now, this is where we start getting into some of those interesting things that I don't know if everybody is aware of, including myself. So there's also governor awards that can be given at times that the board of governors are saying that people are deserving of these, but it's not necessarily given out every single year. Uh, So some of these awards include, according to this, the Irving G. Thalberg Memorial Award. That's an award that's given to a creative producer uh, whose body of work reflects a consistently high quality of motion picture production. You have the Gene Hersholt uh, Humanitarian Award. So basically, if you have a lot of humanitarian efforts, you might get the statue. There's an honorary award, which is mostly reserved, it seems like, for lifetime achievements, exceptional contributions, such and such to the motion pictures, uh, arts and sciences. And then even from that, there's special awards that go beyond those governor awards. And again, they're not necessarily given out every single year. 
So you have special achievement awards, setnical, uh, that's not even a word, <laughs> scientific and technical awards, the Gordon E. Soria Award, John A. Bonner Award, um, and then the Award of Commendation. And interestingly for those last two, the, the John A. Bonner Award and the uh, Award of Commendation, you could get a medallion or a special plaque. So it's not actually a statue for that. And so I don't think those ones are televised if they do give them out. Probably done at some fancy dinner party that I'm never invited to. Is there a little bit of resentment there? Not really. I mean, I I have a podcast here in Iowa. Yes, I talk about movies. I think it reaches a lot of people. But why would I be invited to this thing just yet in my early career? Who the hell knows? I don't know. Let's just go. Uh, Rule two is eligibility. Um, Not anything super crazy there, but there are a couple things that stand out. First off, feature length I found very interesting because the Academy, according to this, defines a feature length movie as being 40 minutes or it's got to be over 40 minutes. So if you think about that, if I was a filmmaker that made a damn good movie and it was only 41 minutes long... I, technically speaking, could submit it for Academy consideration and possibly get nominated. Um, Not in even a short film category. It would be in a feature-length film. Very interesting, honestly. I I don't know if that's ever happened before, but they must have their reasons for defining the length as being that. I'd say for myself, I define the average length of a feature film being an hour and a half, like at the minimum. I know sometimes animated movies, they can be like an hour 15 because uh, it's for the kiddos. So I don't think they're going to watch as long as the adults. Um, but I would still think they're well over 40 minutes. But hey, I- I'm not going to argue with the rules. I'm just I'm just telling you. So don't shoot the messenger. Uh, they got to be publicly exhibited by means of 35 millimeter or 70 millimeter film or in a 24 or 48 frame progressive scan digital cinema format with a minimum projector resolution of... Okay, I'm not going to read all that. It goes into a lot of the technical specs for both the video, uh, the audio quality, uh, and so on and so forth. Uh, Some technical jargon there that, frankly, I don't understand all of that. Uh, So I'm not going to go into that. Um, It's got to be screened in one of the six qualifying U.S. metro areas. So most of us that follow films are probably familiar with these areas. You got Los Angeles County, City of New York, the the Bay Area being around San Francisco, Chicago, Miami, and Atlanta. So it's got to be screened in some of those areas. And speaking of screened, it's got to be in theaters for at least seven consecutive days in the same commercial motion picture. And for some reason, there has to be a screening uh, between 6 to 10 p.m. daily. Uh, Otherwise, I guess, you know, if I just showed a 2 p.m. afternoon showing consecutively, that wouldn't count. Uh, But whatever, I don't make the rules. Uh, Drive-in theaters are included. Not sure if a movie that's ever been nominated was only screened at a drive-thru. Not even sure how many drive-thrus are are left, quite frankly, but it's here. Um, Let's see. Oh, uh, film festivals, they may provide films, of course, for this, uh, but they have to do it securely through an online transaction paywall, blah, blah, blah. Let's keep going. That's pretty much it for the things that stood out in in Rule 2. For Rule 3, the awards year and the deadlines, I mean, that's there, there's really nothing for me to say on that. It just talks about the time frame of eligibility, which really isn't that crazy. Rule 4 is submission. So th- this one actually had a very particularly interesting one. So I'm reading an, ex- an excerpt, excerpt, I, can't, I can never say that word, 
uh, from section two of rule four on here, and I have it highlighted. And it says, and I quote, I understand that on date I may receive from you a replica of your copyrighted statue. Now, that's part of a citation from this. And I get that. It's saying that you're not getting the original Oscar. I'd be curious to actually know who got the very first Academy Award. Someone out there that's listening, I I guarantee you they know that. But this is the part of this rule that I thought was very peculiar. So it also says here, and I quote, In consideration of your delivering said replica to me, I agree to comply with your rules and regulations respecting its use and not to sell or otherwise dispose of it or any other quote-unquote Oscar replica Uh, I have been awarded or have received, nor permit it or any other Oscar replica I have been awarded or have received to be sold or disposed of by operation of law without first offering uh, to sell it to you for the sum of $1. Now, this is interesting because, A, I I mean, hell, if I got an Oscar, there's no way in hell I'm going to be throwing that thing in the trash. I mean, that thing is, it's the peak of entertainment as far as recognition from your peers and validation of your work, um, tireless efforts from all the people that go into making movies. I mean, there is a lot to be said about that statue. I realize everybody places a different level of, of emphasis and important on awards and also the physical statue that comes with it, but it is a big deal, I think. So why would I want to throw it away? I mean, at the very least, just put it in some corner of your place that's going to get covered in dust and leave it there, but don't throw it away. And then I don't even know who you'd sell it to, but I guess there's a market out there for everything. And for all I know, maybe there is some secret Oscar statue blacklist market out there that I have no idea exists and people pay a pretty penny for that stuff. So that's why they have a rule in the first place. And I think that's something that you always have to remind yourself when it comes to rules for really pretty much anything, right? Is there's a rule for a reason. People don't just write them to be, you know, ball busters and things like that. Uh, They have these rules laid out for a reason. So I'm guessing that somebody has probably tried to sell their Oscars before uh, to, to make some money. So I guess that's why they have that. But still, it's interesting. Uh, let's see. Oh, rule four also says that in submitting a film for Academy consideration, the film's owners are deemed to have conveyed to the Academy, the right to choose the excerpts uh, from the film uh, for the promotional materials, publicity stills, posters. So basically like any time when they're like, and this person is nominated and they play the clip from the movie basically means they're allowed to do that. All right. That's the enough of rule four, rule five balloting and nominations. Um, no write-in ballots shall be counted in the final ballot. The ballots themselves are secret, and they are tabulated by a firm of certified public accountants that are all designated by the Academy president. Hopefully better than the uh, accountants that did that one where they couldn't get the best picture right. I think I'll talk about that when we talk about those moments that have happened throughout the Oscars. Uh, I think that's it for that one. Is there anything in Rule 6? Special rules for the acting awards. Um, let's see what stands out here. This, this one's interesting. So I highlighted this part that says, if, however, all the dialogue has been dubbed by another actor, the performance shall not be eligible for award consideration. However, singing that is dubbed will not affect the performer's eligibility unless it constitutes the entire performance. Uh, And I think that's probably a, a bylaw that's put in there for any of those musical biopics. Um, 
like Bohemian Rhapsody, even Elvis. I, I don't think in either of those movies the actors did 100% of their own singing. I, I think they did their fair share, but not 100%, but yet they still get considered. Uh, let's see. Rule 7, special rules for the animated feature film award. Ah, okay, this one was actually one of those other strange clauses that I found here. So I highlighted this part that says, For internal use only, a secure and password-protected link to the film, or, here's the strange part, or 50 DVDs of the entry uh, basically have to be sent, and they can't contain trailers or any uh, like marketing material, and they got to play on a very particular type of DVD player. But here's my thing. Now, I imagine the secure and password-protected link to the film would probably be the first place to go. But why Why the DVDs and why 50 of them? I mean, why? Like, wouldn't you only need a couple? Do you have to send it over to specific people? And also, why DVD? I, I mean, like, come on. A DVD is basically a coaster these days. It's not that far off from a VHS. You couldn't even give these people a Blu-ray? I, I, I'm not really sure, but it's it's a rule in here. Oh, and they have to also have a poster from the film's original release for archival purposes. That one makes sense. That one makes sense and is fair to me and I think is fine. Uh, let's see. There's more stuff there that I'm not going to read to you. Rule 8, special rules for cinematography. Nothing there. Uh, they have special rules for the costume design award, directing award, documentary award. Only thing I saw for the documentary one is that it does say here that it has to have an emphasis on fact and not fiction. Um, so I think even if a really well-produced mockumentary, if you will, was made, it would not have a shot in hell at getting the chance of winning that statue. So no, no, no. Um, it does say for documentary feature film that the film must uh, have still, you know, all those theatrical release rules that the other regular movies have had to have. Or it could have won a qualifying award, uh, a qualifying award at a competitive film festival, uh, or even be submitted for international feature film, and all of that would still work out just fine for being nominated for documentary feature film. Uh, let's see more language on here that didn't really stand out. Yada yada, flipping around these pages. Uh, for some reason, the documentary short film had a different submission window than the rest of the films on here had. Uh, I'm not exactly sure why that is, but I just thought I would mention that. We'll keep going here. Um, da, 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 da. Okay, there's nothing else I got to say about documentaries. Rule 12, special rules for the film editing award. I, there's nothing special there. Oh, this one's interesting. Rule 13, special rules for the International Feature Film Award. I did highlight this part. It says, country-selected films that had a previously planned theatrical release but are initially made available through a reputable commercial streaming distribution service or video-on-demand may qualify for award consideration in the International Feature Film category. Uh, so that clearly, to me, just reads that if it's from like Netflix or Hulu or something like that, uh, it would still have a shot at being eligible, which I guess that's fair, but I think it still does have to be screened in a theater. Furthermore, in the international films, I highlighted the part that says each country shall be invited to submit its best film to the Academy. Uh, and only one film will be accepted from each country as the official selection. That makes me wonder, does every country on planet Earth submit at least one movie? 
I mean, I imagine there's probably some that don't. I, I, I don't know. I, I know there's movie lovers all over the globe. Uh, it, it is something that connects us globally. But I don't know if every country actually is taking the time to submit a movie. And furthermore from that, who is choosing the movie? Is it like the president of, of the country? Is it perhaps uh, like a council? They have something. They go through all the movies that they know have come from the state and they pick one. I'd be really interested to actually talk to somebody that's involved with that. So if you're hearing that, talk to me and we'll make something happen. Uh, let's see. Rule 14, special rules for makeup and hairstyling. Okay, now I thought this was interesting. Is that artists from the eligible films, they may provide portfolios demonstrating their makeup and hairstyling achievements. Uh, they also would need to provide the committee with written descriptions that explain the procedures used to create the makeup and or hairstyling achievements and, of course, the names of the people. It's one thing to look at that, but because it's so technical, I imagine you have to have somebody kind of explain it to somebody that's not actually doing it so that you can fully appreciate the scope of what's been put on display there. So that makes total sense to me. Uh, rule 15, it talks about special rules for the music awards. It's got to be written specifically for the motion picture. So that makes sense. This was interesting. It says a score must be created specifically for the eligible feature film, which I said that, but it's got to comprise a minimum of 35% of the total music in the film. And then really interesting here in cases such as sequels and franchises for many media the score must consist of more than 80 percent newly composed music which does not contain any pre-existing themes that were borrowed from previous scores in the franchise that is really interesting to me as well because i wonder throughout the academy how many sequels have been nominated for a score but created entirely new music that still maintained the the essence if you will from that first film i'm sure there's been a handful of them for sure i i suppose godfather part two is what comes to mind right off the top um furthermore on the music submissions here if it's an original song uh, it does say here that it has to be further accompanied by a vocal lead sheet a digital video clip of more than three minutes of each song showing how it is used in reference to the movie. Uh, you have to have a completed original song contribution form um, and, and some other things there, but I think that's most of it. And then the original score submission forms, they got to have a complete music breakdown form, a final cue sheet. And then in cases where other non-submitting composers have contributed original music in the film, uh, yada, yada, yada. You got to have a letter signed by all these composers explaining the contribution that everybody basically made to the movie. So paperwork, paperwork, paperwork. Let's keep going. Rule 16, special rules for the best picture of the year. I didn't highlight anything out of that, so I guess that's just pretty normal. Rule 17 is special rules for the production design award. Um, this was interesting. It says the production design branch shall have the discretion to give more weight to design than to necessarily execution. So that'd be interesting to see how you weigh the difference between those. Uh, rule 18 for special rules that relate to scientific and technical awards. Uh, so awards can be given out, it says here, for uh, any devices, methods, formulas, discoveries, or inventions of special and outstanding value to the motion picture arts and sciences. Uh, okay, that's interesting. Oh, this was this was uh, <clears throat> this was interesting too. 
Except in extraordinary circumstances, no award shall be given post posthumously, uh, or in other words, if you're dead, you can't get an award here. So, sorry to the dead people that did really good things in the Academy. Uh, I guess they, they spit in your grave. <laughs> Just kidding. Just a little bit of humor on that. Uh, let's see. Some of these other statues related to technical and scientific achievements. They have a statue for merit. A scientific and engineering award you get a plaque don't get a statue for that one and there's a technical achievement award where you don't even get a plaque or a statue you get a certificate i mean i would still i'm sure be flattered to receive anything let alone that comes from the academy but still a certificate really does it come in a nice frame god i hope so rule 19 special short or special rules for the short film awards uh let's see what stood out here Nothing really stood out to me in that one. Other than that, it does say here that student films cannot qualify with a theatrical release. Um, so, okay. Sorry to the student films. Uh, though it does say that the Academy does have a competition in animation where you can win a, a gold, silver, or bronze. And I guess you can get considered. So, it's, it's kind of strange. It's like student films can't be considered... Uh, but if it's through the Academy's program, I guess they can. Uh, maybe I'm not reading that correctly, but that's what it looks like. Uh, rule 20, special rules for the sound award. It's got to sound good. <laughs> that's not a special rule. It's just a shitty joke. Um, oh, it does say that they got to provide clips. Um, each clip has to have a bunch of different stuff that's not really that interesting. So I'm moving past that. Moving past that, I think I've have I read all of these. Nope, nope, I highlighted some other stuff here. Uh, when it comes to, which rule is this? Rule 21, special rules for the visual effects award. I did highlight this, that pr the producers of the 10 films that will be considered for nomination, they got to request, or they have to provide the committee with the following. They got to give written descriptions and visual materials that illustrate the procedures used to create the effects. They have to provide what they call here a bake-off reel. Uh, so it's not to exceed 10 minutes in total running time. And this contains excerpts from a digital release, uh, DCP of the motion picture and the bake-off. Okay, so here's where it actually spells it out. The bake-off reel will present the effects shot in the movie order with minor exceptions allowed. Uh, has a playlist with it. Okay, you know, I don't even know if that actually fully explained it. They have an intro before and after reel that you got to provide. So I guess that makes sense. Shows stuff before, shows it after. And you have to have artwork that gets displayed in the Academy's screening room. Hmm. Uh, we're almost done with the rules, I promise you. Can't believe I've been talking about rules practically for like 30-some minutes. But hey... Um, I think I'm doing this rather quickly rather than reading the whole thing to you, so it's still better than nothing. Rule 22, special rules for the writing awards. Just talks about adapted screenplay, original screenplay. Okay, nothing really super special there. You got rule 23, the rules for the governor awards. Okay, that's uh, just talking about how you can get those special awards I mentioned earlier. Uh, limitations. Oh, okay, Here, here's one. No more than four governor awards may be presented in any in, in a given awards year. Okay, so I guess you can only get up to four of those. Why not five? I don't know. Rule 24, rules for the Special Achievement Award. Uh, it just says that there's no annual reward category there. 
talks about rule 25 here, which is the rules for the scientific and technical achievement stuff. Uh, and you know what? I think that's it. So here, listen to this. I printed this paper, but I'm done reading these rules. Uh, you know, I, I tried to rip this and it's a little, it's a little thicker than I thought, but here, look. Ah, hear that? There. Putting it in the dumpster. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, I know I went through that quickly. I, at least I tried to, and it's just because it's paperwork and, and paperwork sometimes is dull and boring, but there were some rules in there that I thought were interesting, uh, at least interesting to me. And usually if it's interesting to me, it's probably interesting to somebody else. So that's why I did it. So enough with the rules. The paperwork is done. Let's move on with this Oscar special. Okay. Now, Oscar's history. Okay. So I got this article pulled up from People Magazine. It's basically a celeb gossip rag that I don't really read. Uh, but this article did have 23 moments that it does consider to be the most memorable here. I have not actually viewed these before looking at this, so I'm just going to scroll through here and see what stands out in my mind as being the most iconic moments that I am aware of, and maybe talk about those favorite and least favorite moments. So this article is titled, The Oscar Moments We'll Never Be Able to Stop Talking About. I guess so, because I'm talking about it on a podcast. So it does start with stuff in 1940, 1943. I mean, I'm going to keep going here because I was not alive for those. I wasn't alive for many of these, but these ones don't stand out to me that much. This one's interesting. It does say in 1969 that Barbara Streisand and Katherine Hepburn did tie for Best Actress. That's interesting. This says here that there have been six ties in Oscars history, and the one that got the most buzz came in 1969 when Streisand and Hepburn both won the Best Actress Award. Huh, that is interesting. And it says here, of the two winners, Streisand was the only one present, however, and started her speech with the now iconic line, Hello, gorgeous. I, I can't do that. Can't do an uh, impression of her. Uh, let's see, Charlie Chaplin in 1972 gets an honorary Oscar and apparently still to this day had the longest standing ovation ever. Wonder how long it was. Holy crap, he was given a standing ovation that lasted a whopping 12 minutes. 12 minutes. I, I, let's just think about that. Can you imagine standing there or, or sitting, maybe you're not standing, but you're doing this. 12 minutes of that i just i mean i it must have gone by fast for him i would expect but still that is that is a very long time to be uh to be clapping but all the same uh now this one here i do very much remember as far as just not being alive for but for seeing it across uh different moments of the academy and it's that special moment in 1973 where the the lady Sasheen Littlefeather, she stepped in for Marlon Brando. I feel bad about that. And I know the Academy, I think like shortly before she passed away, I feel like they finally issued a formal apology to her because a lot of people back then were really, really shitty to her, quite frankly, as far as, uh, you know, probably the comments they were hurling at her while she was on stage, because I feel like, I feel like in that time of the Oscars, uh, it wasn't as common to use it as like a political or, or social justice platform to get a message out there to a wider audience. 
And so I feel like at the time doing something that dramatic for Brando winning an award for the Godfather and having someone else take hit, take the award for him to raise awareness about um, Native Americans is uh, well Native Americans and their treatment. I don't really think that was something that was really done at the time. And I, I almost feel like if that was done today, people wouldn't even like be that phase because we're so used to seeing these political and social statements being made at the Oscars. Uh, but you know, it's, uh, it, it was really a big moment at the time and, uh, certainly one that I don't think anybody has forgotten about. Holy crap. There's a, in 1974, it says a streaker runs on stage. What? How in the hell have I never heard about this one? Okay, so this happened in 1974. And according to People, it says the controversy just kept coming the next year, because in 1973 was the Little Feather one. It says here, a naked man ran across the stage just before Elizabeth Taylor handed out the award for Best Picture. Uh, Let's see. I'm trying to see what else I can find out about this. I, I have no idea. Uh, but apparently a naked person ran on stage. I mean, come on. That is pretty wild. All right, let's 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 move forward. Let's get a little bit more into the present here. Oh, I didn't know this. This is so... Oh, my God. I cannot believe I... I'm going to have to look this clip up. It says in 2000, Robin Williams performs Blame Canada. And that was, uh, that was from South Park's film Bigger, Longer, and Uncut. Man, I got to look that up. I had no idea he did that. But that is pretty damn funny. Uh, let's see. Halle Berry. Yeah. Halle Berry winning an Oscar was a pretty big deal. Um, one, because I think, uh, she was the first black woman to do so. And I also remember, I, I, no, it wasn't her, but Adrian Brody, I think when he won for the pianist, he gave her like a huge smooch and I don't think they were together. I think he's like, I'm just so happy. And I guess I'm going to forcibly kiss Halle Berry. I, I, I'm not sure if that's how it played out, but I could have sworn and maybe it'll come across in this list of uh, memorable moments here. Uh, yes, this next one. Heath Ledger winning the post... I can never say this word. Posthumous? Posthumous? I, I don't know why I can't say that. That one was a really tough one. Because I think it was like kind of a unanimous decision for him getting it. I think it was absolutely well-deserved. The performance still all these years later is talked about and it's now of legend I would say uh, but it really was a damn shame that Heath Ledger passed away when he did I it, it's one of those things you almost like you really wonder what could have been with him because I feel like he was really coming into his own at that time in his career and, and he was so young he was so absolutely young but um, absolutely deserved that but a very very somber moment at the academy but still Still great that his family was able to stand up there for him. I thought that was cool. They put the the spot on when Jennifer Lawrence trips on her way to stage. I yeah, I do remember talking about that. But I mean, she had a really big dress on, so I get it. I guess. Um. Ah. Uh, yeah. The selfie the following year in 2014 that goes viral. Um. Cool photo, but it does have uh does have Kevin Spacey in there. So is it like can we really like the photo? Because didn't he get canceled by most people? I'm I'm not gonna comment on what I think about the Kevin Spacey thing. I'm just I'm I'm looking at it. He's in center frame of this photo, so it's just an observation. DiCaprio winning his first ever Oscar. I mean, he had to eat bison, uh, you know, and basically freeze to death in the wilderness for it. But uh, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Uh yes. 
2017. Uh, People Magazine calls it Envelope Gate. That's in reference to Watergate. But yes, kind of a crazy moment. Uh, one of those things where I know to the viewer at home watching, you almost thought it was staged or you're just like, this really, like, no way that they could mess this up. But yeah. Um, they got the best picture winners messed up. I thought it was La La Land, but it actually was Moonlight. Um, I think the people handled it as best they could for it, but certainly a lot of confusion. And I imagine that the accountants that did that got fired. Um, not really sure. Um, oh yeah, I forgot about this. In 2019, the, yeah, in 2019, the Oscars didn't even have a host. Was that the year? Uh, they, that, that's the year that Kevin Hart was going to do it, but then they dug up all these old uh, tweets that were homophobic from him, and so they and then so they basically canceled him for this, and they're like, oh, he can't do it. He stepped away, and then they just didn't have a host. Uh, and of course, the most recent one. How could we forget this? And I'll say my piece on this, and and then just move on from it because I think it's been talked about enough to death. 2022, the smack or the slap heard around the world. Got to put that clip in. Jada, I love you. G.I. Jane 2, can't wait to see it. All right? (laughs) 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 It's Jawazan. That was a nice one. Okay. I'm out here. Uh Uh-oh. Richard. (laughs) Oh, wow. Wow. Will Smith just smacked the shit out of me. Keep my wife's name out your mouth. Wow, dude. Yes. It was a G.I. Jane joke. Keep my wife's name out your mouth. I'm going to, okay? <laughs> I can, oh, okay. That was a greatest night in the history of television. Okay. <laughs> Okay. What an embarrassing moment for everybody involved, uh, honestly. I still don't really know how to feel about Will Smith's actions on the thing. I mean, I think I certainly forever lost a lot of respect for him. I'm not going to say like I'll never pay to see a Will Smith movie ever again, but it certainly hurt my image that I have of him, and I'm, I'm sure plenty of people, uh, plenty of other people that look up to him um, I think certainly question what he was doing there. And then Chris Rock, he's now been recently vocal in that new special of his, uh, I think it's called selected outrage. I have not seen it yet, but you know, I, I think he has absolutely every right to express his opinion, of course, and he's a comedian, so he's going to do his comedic spin on it. Um, but I, I don't, I don't blame him for being pissed off at what Will Smith did to him. I mean, it, it was a joke. Um, it's 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 words. You you're, you know, violence is never the answer for that sort of thing. And I really just think the whole thing completely overshadowed the entire rest of the awards. It overshadowed people that worked their entire careers to get there. And I really do think the entire thing was just an embarrassment for the entire academy. And I hope to God, hope to God, uh, at the time of recording this, it's not you know not quite time for the Oscars yet. But please, please, nobody gets slapped. No no bullshit. Uh, please, please, like we just want to watch these awards and watch people be overcome with emotion for being recognized uh, for furthering the craft that is what we, uh, and of course myself, care about so very deeply, which is the world of movies. So 
you know, jokes aside with that whole thing, let it go, please. Let's just let the thing go and actually focus on what these awards are supposed to be about, which is celebrating film, celebrating film. Um, okay. So yeah, I guess those were the iconic favorite worst moments, if you will. I'm going to call it that anyway, and just keep going. Let's shift gears here and talk about the Oscars, uh, 2023. And let's talk about those nominations. I want to, I want to first talk about best picture here. Okay. I want to give you all my quick thoughts on all these movies, because as I said, I did watch at least nine of the 10. So I, I really did try to do my part on this to prepare for this episode. Uh, So I want to talk about what I thought about all the movies that are being nominated for Best Picture here, starting with Top Gun Maverick. Now, I can absolutely see why Top Gun Maverick was nominated for Best Picture. Um, I think not even just talking about the movie itself, like, you know, any of its technical qualities, the aviation, the acting, I mean, all, all that stuff is great. But why I think this movie deserved to be nominated for Best Picture is because of what it did for the box office. It came at a time when the exhibition industry theaters desperately needed a hit. And they needed something to get people to come out from their homes uh, away from COVID, uh, away from their couches. And they they needed something with some legs behind it that could stand for a while to get butts in the seats and get some money because, uh, you know, theaters, theaters, I still say to this day are, are likely in a recovery. Uh, they're still in a recovery from the last couple of years. And so they desperately needed the movie to give some life, give some juice to the theaters. And I definitely think Top Gun was the miracle that kept on giving for that. It made a ton of money. Um, I feel like it's unanimously praised even from the most hardcore film snob out there all the way to somebody that's just a casual moviegoer or even a person that really enjoyed the original movie from the 80s. Um, The movie just worked on so many different levels and I really do think came at a pivotal time when we really needed a movie like this to rally behind together as a film community and, and really just really just bet on and and just, you know, sky's the limit for the thing. I I guess pun intended for that because the movie just keeps and keeps on sailing. Uh, I think it's done well, even after it's been released out of theaters. Uh, I've been told it's one of the best 4Ks that have come out in, in recent years. So it absolutely deserves to be there, in my opinion. Uh, I talked about women talking. I, I haven't seen it. So unfortunately, I can't share any thoughts about that. But I did see... Everything, everywhere, all at once. I actually do own the movie on 4K. I'm so happy for this one. Uh, I know it's been sweeping a lot of other uh, awards, whether it's the SAGs or the Golden Globes or what have you, uh, but it absolutely deserves to be there for a lot of reasons. Um, One, I think it's just so original, uh, original in its concept and its execution and style, and that's in large credit to the writers and directors of the movie being the Daniels. Um, absolutely think it's just brilliant. And I just love that the Daniels are getting this recognition because this movie is so, it's so strange and it, and it is so different from most anything that you will ever see. It's not like anything else. It's certainly not like any of these other, uh, Marvel multiverse movies that are out there, but it really is special. And ultimately at the end of the day is a, is a story about a mother, uh, trying to break through and connect with her daughter Uh, And it's really an intimate family story of immigrants. And it's a great, great movie. It's wild. It's funny. It's bizarre. It's strange. It it has so many things working for it. And 
I got turned on to the Daniels when they made their first feature, which was Swiss Army Man. And just seeing how far they're continuing to come and get recognized on a platform like this, it really just does make me incredibly happy. Because as I said, the movie is original, it's fun, it is kind of crazy, if you will. Uh, I mean, they literally have a scene that goes on for several minutes of two rocks that are sitting out there in a field with subtitles over them and nothing else is happening besides that and you're still engaged with it. That is artistry and visionary work at its at its peak if you will to be right there that it can still keep you engaged on that level uh and and have you still be along for the ride for it so very very happy that that one is nominated uh next one the banshees of inishirin uh, I did watch this movie as well I gotta I gotta stop saying that I already told you I watched all these movies except women talking uh, so the Banshees of Inisherin is from writer-director Martin McDonough, who previously worked with Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson on In Bruges. Um, this is a dark comedy, for sure. I think the reason why it's nominated is that the writing on it is is very, very good. Uh, McDonough is a very good original film writer. I um, think he is very talented, for sure, as a director as well. Um, and it's a very, very bizarre story of these two friends well, formerly friends, that basically have a parting of the ways. But the problem is, is that they're in early 1900s Ireland and they have nowhere to go, basically, to get away from each other. And so there's a lot of silliness and, and strange things that happen. Um, but it's a, it's a very endearing story of friendship and certainly shows what great lengths somebody would go to to just be rid of somebody. Um, I, I didn't like... I always say this, like, I didn't, like, love, I didn't love the movie, like, of the ones I've mentioned, I'd much rather have Top Gun or Everything Everywhere All at Once win Best Picture, but I do understand why this movie is on the list. Now, the next one is a surprise, I would say, for being on the Oscars 2023 Best Picture list, and that's uh, the movie Triangle of Sadness. Now, the reason why I say it's a surprise is because I really don't think many people know about this movie. Um, it's kind of an obscure movie in a lot of regards and not something that I would think would have made it into best picture considering all the other movies that came out. Uh, however, I'll tell you watching this movie, I really didn't know what to expect. Uh, I'm not familiar with the filmmaker of the movie, uh, Ruben. Uh, let me, let me see if I can find his name here. Who is the director of triangle of sadness? I'm going to find it here. I won't take too long. I promise. Uh, Ruben Aus Auslan, I think I'm saying that right. Um, I've never seen a movie from him before. Never heard of him, frankly. Uh, just, I, I think he's done a number of international features. I don't know if he's done a lot of full English speaking ones like this. Uh, so perhaps I was just ignorant and didn't see those, but this movie, this movie is like, it's like 20 minutes too long, but it does have very interesting commentary and, and thought provoking ideas when it comes to social class systems and sort of flipping those two on its head. I did find some of the just blatant news to the rich people in there. Uh, I thought those were quite interesting. Uh, sometimes just dark, darkly laughable. Uh, there's a particular scene in the movie where this cruise is just absolutely taking a turn for the worse. And all the rich people that are 
uh, entitled and uh, are lazy and all these different things. They're barfing everywhere, and one of them is literally rolling around in a in a private bathroom full of her own vomit and shit. Uh, sounds disgusting, which it is, but you you almost can't help but laugh at the at the darkness that's that's on display there, especially with the they're playing that song. Um, oh my god, it's called like Refused or something. It's I, I remember it in the first Crank movie. I, that's the first time I ever heard that song. Uh, but very 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 interesting movie. Um, I'm trying to think what else I can say about it. Woody Harrelson was perfect casting as the captain. Um. I think where the movie takes a turn really in a totally different direction is when they end up on an island in the movie. And I won't spoil uh, I won't spoil beyond that saying that that does eventually happen because I think that might might even be in the trailers for the movie. Um, but this movie I think it's there because of that of that commentary and those uh, ideas behind those social class systems and what people do when they are in positions of, of wealth and power and how they inadvertently treat others without maybe intentionally doing it, but they do it because they have the means to do so. Um, interesting stuff, interesting stuff, but it does make it into the list. Um, let's see the Fablemans. Okay. I'll be honest. I, I didn't love this movie. Like it's, it's okay. Like it's really not bad. Uh, it's a loose, autobiography on uh, Steven Spielberg himself. So it is very much based on him and how he kind of got into making films and all that stuff was fine, but the movie was a little long to me. Uh, I do think that Judd Hirsch's uh, performance that he did give in the movie is good. He's not in the movie for very long, but I, again, I understand why he is getting the accolade that he did for it. Cause it was a nice, a nice performance for what he had. Uh, but this movie is, it's Okay. Uh, I, th- I think I've seen Spielberg do a lot better. I know this movie has a lot of personal stake and connection with him, and some of it was effective. I just think in the grand scheme of things, is this a movie that's going to be talked about for a long time? Or did it really further uh, motion pictures? Or did it really um, speak higher or, or louder or more impactful, uh, more impactfully than, than Spielberg's other movies. And, and I would honestly say, no, I, I don't really think that's the case. Um, all quiet on the Western front. This is definitely an intense movie. Um, certainly a visually beautifully, uh, visually beautiful movie. I, I think cinematography wise, that's the first prediction I'll tell you right out the gate. I think that one actually has it in the bag for that. So we'll see. Um, I did like this movie uh, considerably. I, I thought, again, visually, it, it just is, it speaks very loud at times where it doesn't need to say anything just based off the visuals alone. And that's high compliments for a movie like that, meaning that, you know, even if you took the dialogue out of the movie, you're still telling a visually arresting story. Uh, so I certainly think that's why that one's there. Um, Avatar The Way of Water. I. I really liked Avatar, and I liked Avatar: The Way of Water as well. I, I'm I'm full Team Navi. I'm I, I'm full full on a fan of James Cameron. I think it's terrific what he's doing with these movies and how he continues to push the envelope. And just between everything that he did with this movie on a technical level, I mean, subtract the story. Just look at what he did on a technical level with these effects. Continues to push the envelope. He does motion capture entirely underwater. I mean. I know like it was a joke for a long time that like these movies took forever and ever to come out, but sometimes the best things in life are worth waiting for. 
And I felt the wait for Avatar The Way of Water was worth it. And I'm sure it's being nominated for Best Picture because of all those technical achievements I just mentioned. And just because I think it's a really good movie. Um, Maybe not as good as the first one, but it still holds up pretty damn well. And I'm excited to see where the story goes from here. Uh, The last two here, Elvis and Tar. Uh, Elvis... I totally get it. Austin Butler killed it for uh, portraying Elvis Presley. I mean, he did some really remarkable stuff there. So just his performance alone, I think, really elevates the movie. The movie itself, I don't think I necessarily loved. Um, Boz Lerman as a filmmaker, he, he can be very flashy sometimes and to me have more style over substance. And I felt a little bit of that here, but I do think he cared deeply about preserving Elvis's legacy and telling an honest story about him. I did think it was very interesting, all the stuff around the captain, uh, Tom Parker, uh, Tom Hanks' character. Um, And so I just think, you know, Austin Butler's performance is what really elevates this thing and really makes it stand out. So I get it. It makes sense. And then Tar. Tar is a movie that I'm going to kind of lump into like a triangle of sadness uh, feature because not saying that they're at all the same, but there is a commentary uh, thought provoking element to it. Also about a power dynamic because Lydia Tar, Kate Blanchett's character, she is um, pretty much at the peak of her musical prowess. She's at the top of her game, but she does very questionable uh, things with her power and, has a lot of things to say about cancel culture and how it sort of manifests and plays out in today's society. So I think that's why the movie is there. And also just because Kate Blanchett does give a, a very deep and powerful performance in the movie. Uh, she explodes quite literally, it seems a couple times on screen there. And I, and I think, think she has to do some really challenging scenes there. Um, I think one of the scenes I enjoyed best in the movie was an early scene, and it's when she's giving this lecture in a classroom, and the subject comes up that I, I think one of the students says that Bach was like a womanizer and basically a piece of garbage, and that, you know, because he's terrible in his personal life, his music sucks. Um, very interesting how that entire sort of monologue plays out, and just the camera work behind it, because if you'll notice... I believe that was all done in one take, which is pretty remarkable and not always appreciated, especially in those long dialogue scenes. But that's why I think Tar is there for Best Picture, along with all of these. And this is a good list overall for movies, I think, that are being recognized for this. I think there's a lot of diversity there. You have some populist movies being Avatar and Top Gun. Uh, But then you also have a couple of movies peppered in there that maybe not everybody else would want to see or talk about. Uh, namely Triangle of Sadness, perhaps even Women Talking or Tar. I I don't think those three movies right there are necessarily like the most uh, appealing movie to your average moviegoer, but certainly certainly appealing and deep to the filmmaking community uh, and the cinephiles at large, uh, being myself included. So that's my thoughts on this year's Best Picture winners, but... Let me start to get into the predictions of this. So I did come up with this list prior, so I have thought about all these, and I'm not going to waste any time. I'm just going to get into this and tell you who I think is going to walk away with the statue or which movies I think are going to walk away with the statue. So here we go. So in predictions, in predictions here, let's take a look here. 
Let's start off with actor in a leading role. So this year you got Austin Butler for Elvis, Colin Farrell for Banshees of Inisherin, Brandon Fraser for The Whale, Paul Mescal, kind of a surprise one for After Sun, and Bill Nye. Uh, I think it's I think it's pronounced Bill Nye, like Bill Nye the Science Guy, for Living. Now, here's who I think is going to win this one. I think it's Brendan Fraser's year to pull this one out. Um, I haven't seen The Whale. Uh, I, I really tried to, but I couldn't find any screenings of it. I even tried to find it online if I had to, but it was really tough to find. So I sadly have not watched that yet, but I have heard nothing but great, powerful things about this movie. I've listened to the filmmakers talk about it, listened to Brendan talk about it, and I think this movie is connecting on a lot of fronts and I just, I know personally would be happy to see him win because I think he's a likable guy that's had some hardships, uh, certainly obstacles he's had to overcome in the public light, uh, being a celebrity. And I just think this feels like his year and I haven't seen granted some of the other performances, uh, being like Paul Mascal or, or Bill Nye. Uh, but I just think Brendan is the most deserving of the nominations that are here. So I think he is going to walk away with the best actor statue. Now, actor in a supporting role, you got Brendan Gleeson, also nominated for Banshees of Inisherin, uh, Brian Tyree Henry for Causeway. I have not seen that. Judd Hirsch for Fablemans, Barry Keenan for Banshees, and Kihi Kwan for Everything Everywhere All at Once. So... I think Kihi Kwan has this sort of similar to a Brendan Fraser story, but his story is just fascinating with how long he stepped away from acting him getting this one in a million lifetime opportunity shot to be a part of this movie. And he does great things in the movie. He's a terrific physical performer in the movie. He's deeply emotional. Um, he's playing multiple versions of himself, just like Michelle Yeoh's doing. And I just think that he is deserving of this Oscar, and I think his performance really was special and unique. So I'd love to see him walk away with this. So that's who I got for that. Uh, speaking of actress in a leading role, I mentioned Michelle Yeoh. She's my pick for this. I, I know you got Kate Blanchett for Tar, Ana de Armas for Blonde, Andrea Risenborough for Two Leslie, and Michelle Williams for The Fablemans, but... Michelle Yeoh has so much on her plate for this role because of all the multiverse angles for this. There's so many elements of her character that she has to portray in wildly different ways, and she nails all of it. So I think she's got this. Everything, everywhere, all at once, just in general, I think is going to do quite well this award season. Uh, actress in a supporting role. Let's see who's nominated here. Angela Bassett, Black, uh, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Hong Chow, The Whale, Carrie Condon, Banshees of Inisherin, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, E-E-A-O, I'm just going to call it that because it's easier, and Stephanie, uh, is it Stephanie Shu or Hisu? I'm sorry, I can't pronounce her last name, but that's also Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, or E-E-A-O. My pick for this might surprise people, but I am going to say Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, Angela Bassett would be a close second because I have heard good things about her in Black Panther. Um, I do think she's a terrific actress in most anything she pops up in, but something in my gut is telling me that Jamie Lee Curtis is actually going to be a surprise here and she's going to pull this Oscar out. So we'll see. Uh, next animated feature. Now this is kind of one where I don't really think I have the most well-formed opinion. 
because I'll be honest, I haven't seen any of the animated movies. But my guess is that this is going to go to Pinocchio. Uh, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, very clear on that. Not the the really bad Tom Hanks Disney Plus one. Um, I think it's going to go to him because, A, he has uh, previous acclaim with the Academy, and I think he's a crowd favorite. I have heard terrific things about the movie. And I think the only other one that would be of concern would perhaps be to that Puss in Boots movie, which I did hear terrific things about. But I feel like Del Toro sounds like he presented a, 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 a original take on Pinocchio and certainly a bolder take than ones that have been previously done. So I'm going to go with Del Toro and bet on him for best animated feature film. Okay, let's keep going. Cinematography here. Okay. This one is interesting. So you have All Quiet on the Western Front. You have Bardo, False Chronicle of a Handful of Truths. That's the Alejandro Iñárritu film that I feel like nobody saw, myself included. Elvis, Empire of Light. Sadly, I I never saw that one. It's uh, Sam Mendes, uh, his latest film, director of 1917. And then you have Tar. My bet for this is All Quiet on the Western Front, and that's just because a of the few movies there that I did see, it is the one that visually was the most impactful to me, and I think said the said the most without saying anything, and that's a compliment to its visuals. So I'm gonna bet on All Quiet on the Western Front for that. Now for costume design, you have Babylon, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Elvis, EEAO, and Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris. I think Elvis actually has this one in the bag. Black Panther would actually be my second choice for this. But I think Elvis, because there was a lot of attention to detail put into nailing the aesthetic of Elvis's time, Elvis himself. Uh, And I really think the costumes are kind of a big part of the story. So I'm going to go with Elvis on that. Now for directing, best director. This one's always tough. Um, But this year, I actually don't think it's that tough of a category. You got Martin McDonough for Banshees of Inishirin, uh, Daniel Kwan, Daniel Scheinhardt for EEAO, Fableman, Spielberg. I feel like, I feel like honestly, I, this might sound bad, but I feel like Spielberg getting the accolades for Fableman's is purely just because he's Academy royalty. And there is some political elements to these awards. I get that. And again, I'm not saying that the Fableman's is a bad movie. It's not. It's a good movie. But... I mean, I just don't think it's as deserving of being recognized on this particular category than some of these other ones. Got Todd Field for Tar and then Ruben Oslin for Triangle of Sadness. So kind of a surprise again to me for Triangle of Sadness getting this, but it is an interesting movie and certainly one I haven't forgotten about. So it is, it's there for a reason. But my pick for directing does go to the Daniels. I just think they had so much to risk with this movie. This movie is risky uh, as a whole. It connects on a lot of different ways, and it really takes some bold, bold swings, and I just think both of them absolutely are deserving of it. So they, to me, are going to walk away with that. Documentary feature and documentary sort subject. These are completely just, I pulled them out of my rear because I haven't seen uh, any of these. So this is what I say. For the documentary feature, I think all the beauty and the bloodshed will walk away with it. Why is that? I picked it by the title. I don't even know what it's about, (laughs) to tell you the truth. I'm not even going to pull punches on that. I'm not going to bullshit you. 
I haven't seen it, uh, but I picked the title. It sounds good, so I picked it. Same with documentary short subject. I said Stranger at the Gate. That's going to walk away with it. Why? I don't know. The title intrigued me, and I haven't seen the other ones, and I picked it, and I'm going to stick with it. So there you go. For film editing, I'm not even going to read off the other nominees, just like I realized I didn't do for these last two. I think everything, everywhere, all at once, hands down, will walk away with this. And that's because there is several extremely challenging editing sequences that happen in this movie, particularly one that comes to mind where Michelle Yeoh, it shows her in like 50 life, uh, 50 lifetimes or something. And it's all like really flash. It's like one image is flashing after another. And it's insane how they would have to synchronize all that together. So I think based off even that one sequence, the movie's got it in the bag. International feature film. Um, sadly, I haven't seen um, a lot of these other ones, but I'm going to go with All Quiet on the Western Front because I think it just has the most publicity and it has the best shot of winning. Makeup and hairstyling. Okay. I'm going to give Black Panther some love on this because I do think that it has a really good shot at that. Um, I am not very familiar with all the the African influence that is in the costumes of the movies, but... I remember from the first Black Panther movie, I was very impressed with it. From the trailers of the second one, it looked impressive. And just based off these other ones, I feel like it would be nice to see Black Panther get a little bit of love for that. So I'm going to go with that for makeup and hairstyling. Now, original score. Sadly, one of my favorite composers on here, Hans Zimmer, is not there. Um, Not actually sure if he produced anything new. I just I love seeing Hans Zimmer's name when he does come out. So your nominees that you had for this was All Quiet on the Western Front, uh, Volker Bertelam, uh, Bertelman, yeah, I think I'm saying that right, Justin Hurwitz for Babylon, uh, Carter Burwell for Banshees of Inishirin, uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Sun Lux, and The Fablemans, John Williams. Now, you know what I just said a little bit ago about Fablemans being there for largely politi- uh, political reasons? I think John Williams actually could win this award reason for that is because our dear Mr. Williams is quite up there in age and I would almost consider him winning it to be more beyond recognition of just this movie but sort of recognition of his career as a whole and I realize they have honorary Oscars for that sort of thing they could produce it out that way or give it to him that way But I could see the political maneuvering being done to give John Williams this award because he's 90, I think. Uh, He is universally beloved by a lot of people, myself included. And it just feels like, to me, he would get this award for this this particular year. So we'll see what happens. Uh, For original song, I'm going to say I think that Rihanna actually has a good shot for that for Lift Me Up. Um, I did actually listen to the songs for these movies, despite not having seen them all, but I felt like her song in connection, no doubt with the, uh, untimely passing of Chadwick Boseman, I felt like there really was a, I mean, it says it in the title, but an uplifting quality to the song. And I do think it was very well produced and and put together. So I'd like to see Rihanna take that one. So we'll see if it happens. Um, now we talk we we come to the the big one best picture of the year the best movie of the year so here's who i think deserves it everybody i think it's top gun maverick 
Now, do I think that that actually has the shot of winning? Probably not. I think more realistically what will happen is it will be everything everywhere all at once or possibly a sneak uh, or a, a surprise in there for perhaps Elvis or maybe even like the Fablemans. I, I could see that. But to me, I'm going to pick Best Picture as being Top Gun Maverick because of what I said towards the beginning of talking about these movies. It came at a time when the theater industry was hanging by a thread And I do think it is a universally great, great film that works on so many levels. And I think it's deserving of it. I don't know if if that's possible, if it's like too popular to get it. But that's my gut. That's my gut is that it's going to go to Top Gun Maverick. Might be a surprise, but that's what I see. Now for production design, let's take a look here. Uh, this one was actually harder because you had some really good ones stacked against it. You had Elvis in there, uh, Avatar, The Way of Water. Um, Avatar, The Way of Water is what I picked for that. Uh, I haven't seen Babylon. Elvis does certainly have quite a bit of production value on hand, but Avatar just is a, it's gargantuan as far as how much work was put into that on a production scale. So I think just give it to him. It works. Okay, got a couple more awards here, and then I'm going to start wrapping this thing up. Animated short films. Um, I'll be honest, guys, gals, I haven't seen any of these, but I picked my year of dicks uh, just simply because that title stood out to me pretty boldly, and I have no idea what it's about, but I'm like, you know what? That's a pretty bold title. It's a bold choice, so my year of dicks, uh, I, I guess you get the Oscar, so... there you go i I don't know uh live action short film kind of similar here i'm like i i haven't seen these ones i you know i feel bad i feel like i'm a it's a disservice to us film lovers out there that i'm not giving love to some of these shorts it's just because i i don't i don't actually always know where to seek these things out to tell you the truth um so that could be why but my guess for this is that it's going to go to an irish goodbye why it's for the same reasons for those other ones. I picked it, and it just sounds nice for the title. Could be a super depressing film for all I know. Okay, for sound, for sound, I think this kind of is a pretty obvious one. I think it should go to Elvis. Um, it does certainly help, but it is a music-centered movie uh, about one of the most famous musicians and artists of all time being Elvis Presley. And I do think, musically speaking, the movie completely knocks it out of the park. So just give it to Elvis and we'll go home. Uh, visual effects. To me, this is not even a contest. Uh, it absolutely should go to Avatar The Way of Water. Not to say these other movies don't have the deserving recognition of this, but just look into some of those behind the scenes for Avatar and research that movie and how they had to slave for years and practically like a decade to get this thing to happen. I think it deserves it. So Avatar The Way of Water, that's my pick. Adapted screenplay. Okay. Now, this one might surprise you with what I'm going to pick, and it's just because I feel like every year there's always a couple of surprises that happen that people don't expect. I feel like the popular one would be giving it to Ryan Johnson for Glass Onion. But I'm going to go for a curveball here. And for some reason, I think that Living is going to get the Adapted Screenplay Award. 
I don't know really why. I don't have a good basis for explaining that, but it's just what my gut is telling me is that this category could be a surprise. So I'm going to say Living might sneak one in there. And then the very last award that I'm going to put a prediction for is Original Screenplay. And for this, you got the Banshees of Inisherin, Martin McDonough, Daniels for Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, Fableman's Tar, and Triangle of Sadness. I'm going to actually say Triangle of Sadness, I think, could pull this off. And that's because I do think it's a really original concept for a movie. It has a lot of twists and turns in it that I definitely didn't see coming. And it subverts expectations in a lot of ways and surprised me. So I would like to see that movie get the recognition for that, at least in one category. So that is my pick. (sighs) God, I need to take a drink of water for that because I've been talking for a while and that is a lot. It's a lot to get through. So give me a second. Uh All right, everybody. So there you have it. Those are my picks for this year's Oscars. Those are my thoughts on some of the historical moments that have happened over it and some of my thoughts on some of those very lengthy rules that are written out for people to be considered for nominations. I would be curious to hear what you think is going to walk away with the statue. Who do you think is going to be recognized tonight? Who's going to get recognized this year for the Oscars? Who's going to walk away empty-handed? Let me know on social media. Let me know on email. Let me know however it is you want to let me know. But I would, I would be curious. I would be curious to hear what you think about that. Um, other than that, last thing I'll say about this is that I actually really do like the Oscars. I watch them every year. Don't typically stay up and watch the whole thing. But tonight I am. Um, so we'll see how that goes. But I just hope that the people that are watching it how do I say this? The Oscars are about celebrating the industry of cinema. It's about celebrating people that defied expectations with their art. It's about a lot of different things, but what I don't think it should be about is about some of the drama that goes into it. Um, you know, that slap, I I keep going back to that. I think it was such a, such a step back for progress in that award ceremony. And I really, really hope that they don't poke fun at it this year, though I, I'm not going to be surprised if they make a jab at it because it'll be good for the ratings, I suppose. But I really would just like to see this award ceremony be be at a place where I think it once was, which was inspiring to young filmmakers that are you know hoping their efforts get recognized, uplifting to people that have worked hard for this and deserve to be recognized. And ultimately, have the night serve as the ultimate celebration for the world of movies that we all so very love and cherish deeply in our hearts. Um, So I would really like to just have the Oscars be about that and that alone. So with all that said, thank you very much for taking the time to listen to this. Hopefully you thought some of this was interesting. We'll see if my picks are crazy or if you yourself had some ones that are much better than the ones I picked. I don't know. I'll let you know on this. I'm, I'm sure in the next podcast I record, I will go ahead and say, you know, do some follow-up on this and be like, you know what, I was right for a lot of this, or I didn't see that coming, I didn't think about it like this. Who knows? If nothing else, the Oscars do have a way of surprising you, so we'll see if they do that this year in 2023. 
Um, anyways, I'm done talking. I need to drink some more water. My voice is about to give out. But thanks very much for listening, everybody, and I'll catch you all on the next episode. Take care. <laughs>